Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And I think I speak for our whole tribe when I say our hearts are very heavy. Still, it is uh, Wednesday afternoon, about 48 hours after the Boston tragedy went down. And um, we're probably listening to this maybe um, this, in a couple of days. And we know that the media um, barrages us with images and stories and it gets a little overwhelming. Um, but we really wanted to take this opportunity to hear about the race, the race especially, and, and the aftermath um, with two mother runners who are um, good friends of ours. So um, we hope you enjoy the show. Yeah. So um, first I'll be talking and we just decided it'd be easiest if just um, each one of us talked to our, the respective runners. Um, I'm going to be talking to Melissa Fryback, who um, I know here in Portland, but um, she is uh, t- talked to us on the phone um, she's still in Boston and, um, it was, um, her first, um, Boston and, um, her first big race, which kind of plays into how she describes a little bit about the race. And then Dimity will be talking to Catherine Sullivan, um, who lives there in her neighborhood in Denver. So, um, so here is Melissa. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. So, um, so I don't know, I don't even know where to, where to begin on this one, but, um, I guess um, just explain to us. So you finished in three forty three forty six. So I mean, how how long after you finished uh, was it until the first blast went off? And where were you? And kind of tell us a little bit about that scene, please. It was uh, about two twenty five in the afternoon when I went over the finish line. And being it was my first Boston, it was a very unusual experience to immediately be shunted into this massive, solid, you know, group of runners who are now moving at a snail's pace to get the the blanket um, and water. And then eventually, after food and stuff, you get your, your medal. But you're moving so incredibly slowly. So getting out of there took near uh, what felt like a lifetime um and of course you can see your um, friends and family on the sidelines but there's barricades that keep you from actually being able to just walk off Mm -hmm. so they keep you in this long line and it took me a good 15 minutes to be uh to move about two and a half blocks before i was able to uh take a left down by the starbucks on, on boylston and uh, re- rejoin my boyfriend and get over one block to Newberry. Mm-hmm. And I was not interested in hanging out at that point. I was hurting and just ready to go to the room and do my usual recovery. Um, and so we we were over on the side street off of Newberry, probably two or three blocks over, um, when 
we heard the we well we just heard the loud explosion but of course it was foreign and i didn't know what it was my boyfriend was convinced that he thought he'd heard a um something construction and i'm like it's boston marathon this is the only thing going on in this city and then very quickly after that we heard the second explosion and i felt sick at my gut and i just looked at him i said i think something horrible's happened because it's coming from that direction um, I thought maybe there would, they had the bridge or something had collapsed that, mm. you know, the photos are taken from. That was one kind of thought. Or maybe the the grandstand had fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just that's the sort of thing I was thinking of. But I thought the best thing that we could do was just head back to our hotel on Boston Common. So we did. And as soon as we got in the lobby, there was a, a, a real excitement and not a good excitement of people who are now saying things like bombs or guns and my dearest friend is her husband is saying where's where's my wife and you know he he had and I immediately started really freaking out because I knew she was behind me Mm. um so it was about uh 20 minutes had passed by the time that the explosion occurred Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you said um well your quote in the New York Times is saying that um that you felt like if you had run, you know, slow you sort of wondered, you know, if I if you'd run your normal marathon time, like if you hadn't pushed it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the scenario would have been different. So I mean how you know, talk about a little yeah. bit about that. Well, you know, runners were, were number geeks. I'm not good at math, but I'm a number geek when it comes to my races. And I'm typically about a four hour marathon runner if I'm just going with what feels good. And, um, you know, all along the course, you're, you know, constantly assessing, how do you feel right now? You know, I felt great when I started. Um, it was warm. At least I thought it was warm at times and the hills are a little challenging even for a Portland runner, but, um, you know, you start looking at your Garmin a lot and thinking, Hey, you know, maybe I'll just not go for the PR today, or maybe I won't try to requalify. So to around mile 20, I started thinking to myself, is this a good idea to try to keep pushing my pace? And I was slowing Mm. and I decided, well, if there's anything left in the old engine, now's the time to start kicking it in. And so I tried for a while just to run a little harder, about 10 seconds um, more on the pace. And by the time I was in the last three miles, it was the do or die decision at the top of heartbreak. Is this the day I'm going to try to get under 345 or is this the day I'm just going to try to finish and be happy with about a four hour marathon? And, you know, I thought about stopping to walk or having one in the bathroom or whatever, stretching. And I decided that it was worth the effort and I thought I could do it. And so then I just put everything I had into my run and I really don't recall feeling my legs. And, you know, I was so excited to finish that as I turned on to Boylston, I always thought I would see the grandstands. I'd see the people. I saw nothing. All I could see was the big, you know, the big bridge ahead of me with the logo. And I just tunnel visioned. And as I got closer, I didn't know that there would be a wave two and a wave, uh, or it was a, it was the wave two and a wave three arrow telling you which side to enter from. So you could see your, Mm. um, clock. Mm -hmm. And I saw that the clock was ticking down and, you know, that's, I look back on that and I just think, wow, you know, it was a split second decision to really give it everything I had. And just never know when you're going to (laughs) be, uh, in situations. Yeah. Wow. That gives me chills to, to hear you say that. So, um, not to be crass, is this the, so, um, I know you said that you qualified, you just squeaked in with a 345. 
Um, yes. So is this a PR for you then? Yeah, this is this is it. This is wow. the PR. Um, wow. I've never run a faster marathon, but I actually trained. Um, you know, it sounds silly to say I've not trained for a marathon before, but I actually had a coach, and um, you know, I, I followed a, a regimented uh, calendar of of, uh, of types of runs every week, every day, and I didn't deviate. Um, and I did that with the intent of actually having the best race I could ever have. Mm. And so, I mean, so I mean. I mean, you know, huge congratulations on that. I mean, but like, how are you able to now process that in light of what happened, you know, 20 minutes after you finished? That's, that's the hardest part. And, you know, I'm hurting so hard. I'm still in Boston. So I'm experiencing a lot of, um, you know, I'm right in the heart of what's going on. I've got media camera vans out front. I've got officers with MP5s and the National Guard, and we have to be checked into our hotel still with security. Um, So I feel very much like we're still in this kind of war zone, that this is still happening. That's a crime scene just down the street. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was high with this when it first happened, and I felt so proud, and I was so excited. And then within 30 minutes, I felt like everything had gone bad. And I no longer felt uh, like I should even talk about my race. And I felt ashamed for wanting to share with the people um, that are my friends because I was thinking about people who lost their lives or their limbs or were exposed to this horrible thing and it just didn't seem to matter anymore. And so I struggled with this idea that I should go into any detail because, you know, I I read somewhere once that runners could even um, give you a, they could talk for three hours about their, their five-mile recovery run, which we can't. So the idea that somehow um, I should give blow-by-blow blow of every mile that I experienced in the race, just it, it just didn't seem to be important anymore. And so, and I've heard this from a lot of other runners, that it just seemed to, the, the finish line and everything before that just seemed to go away. And I'm trying now to just re- remind myself that we need to celebrate what we did and it's okay. And we can't allow this horrible thing done by this terrorist to um, affect how we feel about what we accomplished out there, whether or not even we finished. Cause I've, I've been um, in the park and I've given hugs to runners who didn't finish and were blocked at mile 25 and, you know, they're, they're hurting. They can't say, I feel, you know, like I should have been able to finish, but you know, there is something in their hearts that says I, I came to do this and I had to stop. And I, I don't think any of us, you know, I think we're very affected by it and we feel terrible pain for everyone who's suffering, but I know that we also should be proud of being runners. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Um, you and I talked briefly yesterday and I wanted you to, um, talk about how you felt about the, the crowd. And, and because, um, last year when I ran my only Boston, um, I just felt like the, the support of the fans or the, you know, the people lining the street, the spectators was just so incredible. Like there, you know, I've run New York and I just felt like there was no comparison whatsoever that the people in Boston are so engaged and behind you. And just the generosity of spirit that flowed out of them was just a beautiful thing. And so, um, could you talk a little bit about how you, you know, about what you're saying to your friend at the beginning and, and that sort of stuff? 
Sure. My girlfriend ran her first Boston last year, so I've been just, you know, digging deep for her to tell me every little bit of what I would experience when I got out on that course and what that was going to be like. And um, when we took off in Hopkinton, um, you know, the, just the massive a number of people, and we started running, and I asked her, I said, when does this ball break up? You know, like, I've only run small marathons. And so I was expecting at some point, you know, the field would really widen out, and I'd have, like, you know, all this space around me. <laughs> and you're just looking down the hill because, you know, you're, you're coming down and through Hopkinton, and you just see heads, just massive heads and people right. on the sides. And, they, and she just looked at me, and she goes, it doesn't, Melissa. This will never break up. This is what it is as you come in. Look at and look it, at the bumpkin from Oregon <laughs> thinking that. When does when does this race crowd thin out a little so I can? Get... Yeah, I just want to thin out. It'll be me and maybe two other runners, you know, and then we'll see people every other mile. And um, you know, that was my naivete that somehow I thought that would happen. And but the the thing that really started to catch on after a couple miles of, of what I was in. And how I felt like we were one organism. Um, there didn't seem to be a split between spectators and runners that I felt that somehow we were all moving together towards the finish line. Um, they were helping move us. Um, 26.2 miles, it felt to me at that point, wasn't possible without them. And as I, I got closer and closer, I felt even more connected to the people who were driving us on from the little kid with the grubby hands holding out the orange slices <laughs> to the uh, volunteer yelling, wada hiya, you know, and <laughs> you just you start to realize that all of these people are part of the race. And, and you know, I think that's what hurt even more at the end, because you think about spectators and we all, you know, I'll say nobody gets here on their own. And whether it's your children who have to endure your crazy weekends with running like my kids do, or um, your boyfriend who is responsible for watching said kids so you can go out and throw 50 miles out in a week, you, you don't get there by yourself. And then once you're there, they are part of the race. They are the race. And without them, we don't. It's just another long run. And I think that was the most amazing aha that I had. And, and I will tell you that as I got closer and I started physically feeling worse, that's what made me decide I wanted to come back. That's, mm. that's why I cared. And it was the people out there that made me care. And, you know, now I can say I have my qualifier for 2014 and I've never wanted to come back and run a race as badly as I do um, next year. And I have friends who are actually saying, oh, yeah, I've not trained hard and I am going to train. I have I speculate that next year we're going to see a completely different field of runners that are going to get competitive you know, times 10 to try to be here because they want to let Boston know. They want to let the volunteers and the spectators and the people who lost their lives and were injured by this know that not for in vain and we won't be afraid of that. And we are going to celebrate next year and it's going to be a great race. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Ooh. Um, so, uh, Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And the, I, I marvel at the insight that you've been able to have in these um, less than two, two days since it all happened. So thank you so much for sharing with us.
Well, thank you. I look forward to getting back to Portland too and back to my runner friends. I'm looking forward to their hugs and, you know, recovering with them. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Very good. Thank you. Have a good day. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm glad that Melissa talked, um, at length without me having to ask too many questions because otherwise you would have heard, um, my tear choked voice. So, um, now Dimity's going to talk to Catherine out in Denver. So hi, this is Dimity in Denver on a super snowy day, and it kind of mimics the mood that we've got going on here. Um, I've got my good friend here, Catherine Sullivan, who um, is coming off of running Boston, and she just got home yesterday, and her she went with her running buddy, Becky, um, who is on her way home but is delayed because of our weather loveliness. Um, but I love Catherine and Becky because they um, qualified together, and she was the one that started the um, What Would Another Mother Runner Do? If you um, are another mother runner uh, reader, a longtime reader, you guys aren't blood um, sisters necessarily, Catherine, but you're kind of, you are um, connected in another Bodily function? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> the GI function? The GI function? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she was the one that, that forego, forewent, I should say, a potty stop. Yes. To get Becky across the line in time, right? Yeah. I realized now, well, I was scared to start the process because I was scared I'd be in the bathroom <laughs> for like the five minutes that we had as our great, like our window. So, so, so yeah, I, I had tight butt cheeks for tight a while. butt cheeks. So Catherine is a very, very good running buddy to to Becky. And um, and so you tell me about you guys, your attitude going into Boston, because Becky was injured and you were kind of on the fence, right? We did, yes. Becky started the training injured. And because of that, we kind of took a minimalist approach, which is not desirable when trying to run a marathon. But <laughs> In order to make it fun, we decided to remind ourselves that we should be mellow. We got Wonder Woman outfits made for our event, and that kind of made, reminded us that we should be like, all right, we're not going to run this as fast. We're not going to have our PR, but it's fun, and that's why we're here, and we're going to have a good time. So we really went into it thinking like, okay, just make sure we don't try to go too fast and um, try – like to prove ourselves um and we had these cute outfits lots of people taking our pictures i was gonna say do do people just love the outfits i highly advise anybody who's running the boston marathon next year to wear an outfit because there are not that many people who do it yeah and we were very popular we we so we start we had a little bit of a weird start i guess we underestimated the walk to the corral. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So our wave was going and we were not there. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, we wonder Woman, you could fly in there, right? Wonder Woman start to, we started to sprint up the hill and then we worked our way in and found a little opening in the corral gates and got in and that was fine. Um, but it was awesome. We spent the first beginning of our race, like, like people screaming Wonder Woman. And, and the beauty is like, they see Wonder Woman coming, and then there's two Wonder Woman coming. Like, people are ready to cheer for you. So we were, like, slapping hands and, like, woohoo! And as, as time progressed, we got a little bit kind of over the, like, woohooing everybody <laughs> and realized that that was going to take its toll. And so we started doing the peace sign about, like, halfway. We were like, okay, that's a bit much because there really are people the entire way. Yeah, and, that can drain your energy, right? Oh my gosh. Becky's like, I started losing my breath. I couldn't breathe. So, all my Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. 
Bark boxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first bark box. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. <laughs> All my woohoos. Yeah, so we kind of trimmed back on the enthusiasm a little bit. But um, so our race was fine. Like I we studied at the beginning, like within our pace. And then um, about halfway, um, I could tell, no, maybe it wasn't halfway, but, you know, we, we had, we had, looked for friends. Like I had some friends I hadn't seen in 15 years and stopped and hugged them and stuff. And then about, I think it was probably more like Newton right after Newton, um, that my legs started doing that funky, if, you know, if anybody's never felt their, their, the inner quad start to do the twitchy thing, the shakes. Yeah. And it started a seize and then like, Oh, and, I, and that happened to me, the Denver marathon. And it completely locked up like a mile before the finish line. Oh, shoot. And then some nice man gave me like a tap on the back and the only adrenaline let it go. So I was terrified of that happening. And then we hadn't hit those hills yet. Oh. So um, I started to get a little bit nervous. And I told her, I was like, okay. Um, and then I felt my GI. And I did poop before the race. So I don't know what the deal was. But so I just started to warn Becky. I was like, okay. And she knew before this race that I was stopping. I was like, we got in, <laughs> I, had, I had shorts at the end, like a fresh pair just in case, but I was stopping. Like if I needed to, I was going potty. Like I'm, this is the Boston Marathon. It's supposed to be fun. And let's just, we're not going to set up here anyway. So, so I kind of warned her and the hills are really not that bad. Like coming so, from Colorado. Yeah. They're just I mean, not. Yeah. Um, they're long, but not terribly steep. And there's people the whole way. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't feel like they were, they weren't my problem. It was my twitching muscle. So we we get up the hills and then, um, I did have this experience, which was so awesome. I was so focused by the time heartbreak came on my legs, not seizing. So I was like, like as if focusing on it was going to ch- keep them from not locking up. <laughs> Got a mental know. power to do that, right? right? I was Wonder Woman. And so I was focusing so hard that I, we came to the top of this hill 
And all of a sudden there's like big inflated thing I see. And it says heartbreak is, and I'm like, over. Over? <laughs> I was like, it's over. You were the and only I, person, I, Catherine, who would like not be, not I, know that I, heartbreak kill is over. It's over, it's over. And she's looking at me like, did you didn't see the big thing at the bottom? <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it's over. I was like, it's all downhill. Yeah. And so my legs, the downhill was what was, is the damaging part. And yeah. so my legs started to seize up. So I, every time we get right before I felt like it was going to seize up, we, we would walk for five or 10 seconds. And I was like, just let me walk and like, sh- you know, shake or hit your muscle. Like you're sure. like hoping to like loosen it. And that would seem to help. And we did that about three, three times, um, for about, you know, 10 to 15 seconds. You know, it's all, I was like, that's all I need. And so the race was beautiful weather, and I was just blown away. Like, I would love to do it when I'm not ever doing another marathon. But if I ever did another marathon, <laughs> I'm I'm not doing it again. But when I do one. But, when I, but I would love to do it feeling good. Like, yeah. coming in, having no injuries. Because I did that flying thing and fell on my face a couple months ago. And my knees all screwed up from it. So, I would love to feel good. Sure, it, sure. It, it's, the enthusiasm is, like, amazing. Just the cheering is amazing. So when we came in, yeah, it, the sun went away and it starts to get flat at the oh, end. Oh, shoot. And within two miles, of course, I'm like, we're almost done. Yeah. And Becky's like, I'm going to kill you. I was stopped with you all these times. Like, she didn't say that, but yeah. I could tell. I was like, I she felt awesome annoyed. and she was getting annoyed. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't because she's Becky. But yeah. um, Becky is the nicest woman you'll ever meet. On the meet, planet. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And so, but we're buddies and we don't leave each other. And so we just, we got to that corner and it was just, it was awesome. I mean, and that was, I mean, and the rest was obviously a terrible, awful day. Um, but that was, you know, that was, I think that like one of the things that I've like keep thinking over and over and over again is how you had all this awesomeness and all this like perfect day, wonderful, positive stuff. And it all just changed so quickly. Yeah. Into such a 180 degree feeling. And that is so hard to explain. Like, you know, cause we finished and we both felt good. I mean, I, my GI was fine. I had gone to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> you were ready for some margaritas and burritos, we were, right? We were, like, excited about that Sam Adams has that, like, post-party. Oh, okay. At the House of Blues. So okay. we were like, we're going to go shower, and we're going to go to the party and have some beers, and this is going to be great. And we were getting our medals and wa- just, you know, I felt, sometimes I have a hard time drinking water afterwards, and I was able to, like, eat a banana and pound water, and I was like, wow, I feel good. I mean, my legs were tired, but I felt good. And... And then, you know, for us, we were ended up being around 200 yards down the way. And you so know, 200 we, yards past the finish past line, the finish line when the bombs went off. Yeah. And, and, you know, they said, you know, 117 years, they've got this perfect plan where you finish and you get a glass of a bottle of water and then your metal and you're shuffling along, just following the thousands of people in front of you and, you know, just kind of like cattle and, um, got our, blankets and food um and we even popped into the med tent because i wanted ice for my knee that i screwed up um but they were this for for your information when someone tells you to go get ice at the med tent next time don't do that unless you really are critically like need to be there because i walk in and they're like it was very serious and i was like never mind i don't need ice later (laughs) um somebody had told me to go in there but anyways um so we kept walking and then we, ju- I was saying to you earlier, we just got our bags 
and our bags were like the last bus on the left, second to last. And we literally just had them for 30 seconds. And we we're going to, it got really cold. We were trying to put our pants, get, find a place to put our pants on. And, uh, and then all of a sudden there was just gigantic boom. And like, it was so crowded. I mean, we fiddled, we finished middle of the back. So yeah. we turn around and everybody's turned around and there's all this looking back towards the, the finish. And there's this huge plume of smoke. And I swear it was either because everybody was so quiet or you could really feel a little bit of the compression of the air. It was one of the, maybe both. You could just, there was like a, just a, like the air was just dead. Wow. And it was like, everybody was like, nobody was breathing. And then as you were just trying to calculate, was this like a cannon going off for Patriots day? Was it definitely too much smoke for that? Sure. And like, I mean, I honestly thought it might be like, like scaffolding. Cause they have all those cameras set up oh, over sure. this thing. And I was like, what if that fell down? You sure. Know, that would really be, make a big boom. And, and then as you're, we were sitting there, the second boom went and that was when you knew it was not right. Sure. And so we, we looked at each other and we're like, let's get out of here. This is bad. And then, um, we were right by the exit because our bags were the last second to last bus. And the police officer just said, you know, we are a couple of, a couple of us were like, what's going on? Because the panic didn't get to us immediately. Sure. There were enough thousands of people between us and those 200 yards that it, the wave was coming probably, but, but it hadn't reached it. us yet because sure. we were right there at the exit. And the police officer said, you need to clear this area immediately. I, I don't know what's going on, but they just called for every ambulance in the city. Uh, just, and it just chills like in an instant, you know, it's like, okay. you know, yeah. you freeze and scared and confused. And so we just started walking and, um, our hotel was in Cambridge. That was actually ended up being like a good feeling. Um, cause it was, that's far away. Cause it's, it was North Cambridge. It was not on in Boston and not near any of the universities. And so we walked a few blocks, went around a corner, put on our pants cause we were freezing and I had a down jacket and, um, and our phones didn't work until we were like more of a distance. Cause I guess they turned the cells off sure. for a while. Um, and then we walked all the way back to our hotel, which had to be another three or four miles. Say, <laughs> hey, oh yeah. my gosh, how were your legs? I, I, I mean, I didn't even notice. That's yeah. The thing. I think there's such enough adrenaline that sure. your body, and we're not running, let's face it. Yeah. We're not, if I had to run, I probably could have, but I was really, tough. and it was weird, like walking, because we had to walk through the North End. So we walked through the financial area and, and we were picking up more information from there was a TV that someone had jumped into like a coffee shop and came out and reported something. And then more from people, like I ended up talking to Chris and um, Chris is her husband, my husband. And, and he was giving information and we, and because he was in front of a television. And yeah. at first, when I first, I mean, I got off and I turned my phone on. I mean, thank goodness we had our backs because I turned my phone, I had a phone and I yes. had clothes yeah. and I turned my phone on and I got all these like, congratulations, like all these things came, things came flooding in. And I just texted back to Chris. I was like, thanks, but I think there's some explosions. Like, you know, we didn't know if they were intentional or like a sewage line or a gas line. Like neither is good or none of, none of those are good. And, um, and so from him, I started to, he hadn't heard about it yet. Oh, geez. So he was like, what? And I'm like, you turn on the news. I'm sure it'll be on there in 
a minute or two. Yeah. And so we, you know, we started to, you know, getting information like, oh, they found another one in a hotel, another one. And so you're walking along thinking, okay, I am right next to a gigantic Hyatt. Yeah. Like, should I walk faster or slower? Yes. Right? And like, you know, we were each texting and Becky's phone was AT&T, not <laughs> working very well. And, and, um, and she would get like floods of texts and then nothing. And so she would stop and then I would stop. And so you're doing this kind of like froggy hopping and you're like, this isn't good. Like yeah. you should just keep walking. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just, you know, totally unnerving. And we eventually got back to our hotel where they were, had a list of all participants staying in their hotel and were checking off. Oh, that's great. People who, who got back. I mean, they honestly, like it, they were very on top of, I mean, in the med tent too, like you walk into the med tent, they scan you. They yeah. know that you've entered they yeah. don't, and they scan you to discharge you. And so they know who was in there. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, all these they're different, super organized. they're so organized. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just totally amazing. So yeah, once we got back, we were in, like I said, in North Cambridge in like this little tiny, not very populated area, which was great. Yeah. I and mean, we felt like. You could breathe. Take yeah, a breath. Take a yeah. breath. And we had been walking for so long. That yeah. Like, and nothing had happened. We didn't think since we've been walking and yeah, I mean, but the number of sirens, like I just like, you know, just constant sirens. Like that was the weird, it was just, that's what, that's what's in your head right yeah, now. I just yeah. like, I mean, I've got issues with sirens anyway. I mean, they're just never good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, they're never good. They're never good. And so, you know, as we were walking, we had to walk near the interstate. Oh, but and so there were all these from the suburbs, all the police officers and rescue people were coming in. So there was constant like, woo, woo, like flying by you. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we felt good when we got back to our little Holiday Inn Express. Yeah. Which was perfect. Perfect. Exactly you what know. you needed. Well, I don't want to cut this short, but can you give me just a couple thoughts on your perspective now? As a, I mean, you're a mother of three boys, you're home, you got to run the Boston Marathon. I mean, would you do it again? Um, I hate marathons. <laughs> so, um, marathons, I think are over. I'm just not built to do marathons. So I think those are over, but if I were a marathoner, um, I totally would do it again. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, the, I'm the more of the personality that's like, I get angry and I think that they win when you don't do stuff sure. and you don't go back and you, and they let you are influenced by that. I and, agree. And it's yeah. easier to say, you know, because I don't didn't lose anybody personally and don't have any really close relationships with people who got injured. And, and so, um, but even having been there, you know, it just, uh, no, I mean, there's just, it doesn't dissuade me from, it just makes me pissed. Yeah. I get it. Angry. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my first reaction is I was just angry yeah. more than anything. I mean, and obviously sad for everyone who's affected, but dang it, like that this is our like, safe little bubble. That's how I connect with you. It's how I connect with Becky. Yeah. And I hate that that's scarred now, you know? Yeah. So it's, I mean, you know, I was, it's interesting. Becky and I have totally different religious beliefs, totally different political beliefs. We never talk about those two things probably because we know that, but you know, and now that you're getting, all I know, I don't emotional. want to make you cry. I know, but, no, I'm just glad you guys are so safe. I left at 715. I left it. I, I had to get up and she was asleep to leave yesterday. That was just when my flight was scheduled. I have little children, you know, I yeah. need to get back. And it felt really wrong to leave her. And yeah. I felt really uncomfortable and nervous. And, I, you know, we'll be connected 
forever in this weird way as if we weren't, weren't already connected. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like there's a little part of me that was still there. And I, you know, I don't even like that her plane was delayed. Yeah. You know, it just, you really, just want her home. I just want her back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just a shared experience that, you know, it just. You guys are going to be, yeah. Well, good. Well, give me a big hug on the air. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're home and I'm so glad you're safe. And I'm so glad you guys had such a good time because honestly, like you will remember that race. I mean, even if, you know, everything that tragedy didn't happen, you know, the Wonder Woman, the everything, the great day, the beautiful weather, the friendship. And I even mean, more so, I want to go back and volunteer or, or be somebody along the race because I'm like, you you know yeah i'm gonna flip on the bird she just flipped me the burger (laughs) yeah and i'm like i'm not you know it it was it's an amazing amazing i mean you know i was reluctant about signing up yeah you you didn't really want to go i didn't really want to go and it was so cool it was just amazing and it should stay cool and amazing well thank you so much for sharing that Catherine. i love you to death i'm so glad you're okay so that was probably um, the uh, the hardest conversation I've had on our podcast. And I mean, I, I know Catherine, she's got these three adorable, adorable boys. And, um, and Becky, who she talks about, has three lovely girls. And, um, you know, I mean, oh, my heart just hurts about everything, about, you know, that they had to experience that, that, um, you know, what could have potentially happened all the victims that are, you know, just hurting so badly right now. Um, it's just a, it's a tough topic, topic. But the one thing we do know, Sarah, more than anything, is that our tribe of runners and mother runners in particular are just some of the most badass, awesome, generous, caring women you could ever meet. And um, God, we're just so, so honored to be a part of them, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, wish I was there to give you a hug, Dimity. Um, I know. I've already, I hugged Catherine like four times for the podcast. I think she's like, okay, Dimity, enough already. But, um, <laughs> but then, and the other thing to, to lighten this up just a little bit, she says she's not built for running marathons. That girl can book. I mean, she can book. So, you know, if you pass her on the street, you would be like, yeah, she is a fast runner. So she's uh, sandbagging us. So, um, so one of the things, um, you know, we have felt a little helpless this week, as we all have, um, but the we uh, um, have um, kind of reincarnated a shirt of ours, the Heart Run shirt that we have um, made in the colors of the Boston Marathon and put the date um, for fifteen thirteen on there, and that shirt's for sale on our site through the um, 26th. It's um, $20.00. And the profits from that we are donating to um, the One Fund Boston, which is the um, official um, nonprofit that's been set up to help all the people directly affected by the explosions. So, um, so I mean, but- we put that up this morning, Sarah, right? And we have easily over 400 orders now. I mean, 400. Yeah. And I mean, I can't wait to, you know, donate that and do a screenshot and put that up. Like, I already have that in my head. I'm just so so proud of our community and, and, um, and how we rally. Yeah. And, and I've already got two people who have, um, uh, generously volunteered to help me fill the orders. So, so the generosity (laughs) is on every, on every level. So, so, so let's wrap this up and, um, continue the conversation, uh, on our Facebook page, run like a mother, the book on our website, which is where our store is, um, is another mother We are on Twitter at, at the mother runner. And, um, 
Uh, you might find some solace and entertainment and some laughs from our books, which are Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, both available on Amazon.com. Um, thanks for listening and many, many happy miles.